0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the first Sunday of the season of Epiphany. Epiphany is of varying lengths depending on when Easter falls. Easter is relatively early this year. It's April 4th, so that means Epiphany is relatively short. So we just have a few weeks then to consider what it means that God has revealed himself to the world, what it means that he's manifested himself, that he's made himself known to us as individuals, to the world, and to his church. That's what what epiphany means. Epiphany means uh, that we suddenly have an understanding or a knowledge that we didn't have before. Hopefully we all know what that's like, to have a sudden epiphany, to realize, to have this new understanding or a new way of looking at something. And this is what the Lord has done for us over and over again. He's, he does it for every believer. He reveals himself in a new way. He, he shows himself in a new way to us as individuals through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He does it to his church over and over again, and he has done it through the world. And so he's made himself known. He's made himself known through all of creation. And we see the way in which the Lord makes himself known to us in these uh, distinct ways uh, this morning, especially in the baptism of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Indeed, uh, he is a good father. A good father tells us what he's going to do before he does it. A good father warns us. A good father says, this is what's going to happen. Get ready. And that's what the Lord does through the prophets over and over again. He says, this is what I'm going to do. Be prepared. This is how I'm going to act. This is what I'm going to bring about. And so this is the role of the prophets. The Lord is saying, this is what's going to happen. This is how you're going to participate with me. This is how I'm going to handle you. These are going to be the consequences If you don't follow along, these are going to be the rewards and the benefits if you do. So the Lord does this through the prophet Isaiah here this morning. He's telling us that his plan is for us to live in righteousness with him. Righteousness means that we're participating in the ways of God because his ways are righteous. They're always right. God's always doing the right thing. And his plan for us is to always do what's right with him, to participate in his righteousness. And he does that by uh, giving us himself. He doesn't just tell us from afar, go and do this thing, but he holds us by the hand, and He walks with us through the power of His Holy Spirit. And He does that through the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity has been revealed to us all the way from the Garden of Eden to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre, Uh, and again and again He reveals Himself as Holy Trinity. The nation of Israel, the Jews, had no excuse to not see that the Holy Trinity was coming. The Lord has always revealed Himself as such. He reveals Himself as Holy Trinity here this morning in the verses of Isaiah of chapter 42 and the very first verse he reveals himself as holy trinity this is the father speaking he says i uphold my chosen i have put my spirit so here we have the father speaking right he's saying i am doing these things and i'm giving my servant my holy spirit so we've already seen here the father uh, and the holy spirit revealed my servant my chosen one is the son And so, just in verse 1 here, the Father is speaking about putting His Holy Spirit on His Son and revealing Him as His servant and as His chosen one. And He shows us that the Son is to do all these things. He's to make the Lord known to all of creation, right? This isn't something that any normal servant can do. This isn't anything that any normal person prophet can do look at the things that the servant is going to do he's going to bring forth justice to the nations that's to all people not just to the jews but to all the gentiles he's going to uh, establish justice in the whole earth so that all the coastlands wait for his law this is something that only god himself can do and so the things that this servant is doing is revealing that it's only god himself uh, that he is the only one that can accomplish these things And we see the way in which he does it. He doesn't do it as a bold general standing on a horse commanding orders. He doesn't do it through violence. He doesn't do it through aggression. How does he do it? He does it through gentleness and humility. This is how the Lord brings about righteousness in our lives. He does it through sacrificing himself by laying down his own life. The prophets are the ones that show us that. Isaiah could have stood in front of the people as a member of the royal family. He was a nephew of the serving king of judah and yet he doesn't stand as a nephew of the king he doesn't stand as one who's going to be uh, bold in proclaiming but he offers himself as a servant john the baptist is the same way he could have been a priest like his father zechariah standing with all the beauty and the ornaments that his office had but instead he comes in humility and poverty along the banks of the river jordan and especially our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as, as God himself could have come in such splendor and majesty, and yet he comes in poverty and humility to the banks of the Jordan to offer himself. He comes as one uh, whose voice won't even bruise or read, uh, one who um, will bring forth justice and will not grow faint or be discouraged. So he comes with this uh, steadfast humility that, of course, we see in the person of John the Baptist and in our Lord and Savior as they come together on the banks of the Jordan. It's crazy what they're doing. It's it's bizarre what they're doing, that John would offer baptism in that way on the banks of the Jordan. Who's he baptizing? He's baptizing Jews. There was no reason for that. They said, what do we need baptism for? We're sons of Abraham. We've already been cleansed. We've received the Passover. We received the promised land. We're standing in the midst of our promise. And yet John is saying, there's more for you to do. You have to submit yourselves to God. He has to wash you and uh, have each of you repent of your sins. Sins and that Jesus is going to bring forth the Holy Spirit. So John the Baptist is setting the table. He's revealing to them, this is what Jesus is going to do, just like the prophets have already done, right? They're always saying, this is what God is going to do, this is how He's going to accomplish it. So John the Baptist is saying, this is what Jesus is going to do. And again, we see the Holy Spirit revealed. Here in the baptism, all three members of the Holy Trinity are here uh, with bright wonder. Do you see them in chapter 1? In just these first uh, verses, uh, verses 10 and 11? So we see the second person of the Holy Trinity. We see Jesus, right? He's walking there. He goes down into the water to be baptized. And what happens when He comes out of the water? The Holy Spirit descends on Him as a dove. So there we have the third person, the Holy Spirit appearing as a dove descending. And then who is revealed? Who's made manifest? Who is epiphanized to us? But the Father with His voice, right? What does He say? You are My beloved Son. With You I am well pleased. So we have the voice of the Father... We have the person of the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit present all in one here at the baptism of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just as he is present to us in our baptism. It's not that Jesus needed to be cleansed. He didn't need to be cleansed. He was without sin. So why does he do it? While we're washed in the waters of baptism, Jesus washes the waters of baptism. While we're cleansed by the water, he cleanses the water by descending into it. His holiness makes all the waters of creation holy and agents of the grace of God. All the waters of creation were washed by him in baptism, just as all of humanity was made ready to join with divinity through his incarnation. He washes the water. He didn't need the Holy Spirit. He's one. He's a member of the Holy Trinity. But he's showing us that we are supposed to receive the Holy Spirit in baptism. We're not just participating in the baptism of John the Baptist, where we're asking for repentance and the removal of our sins. We're also receiving the grace of the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. This is an essential part of holy baptism. That you remember, Peter and Paul have to go uh, over with the churches over and over again, reminding them, this is not just a baptism of repentance, but you're supposed to receive the Holy Spirit in baptism. And we see it here, fulfilled and complete, and the baptism of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's lots of passages that I say are my favorites, but I've got to tell you this one about St. Paul, or excuse me, St. Peter and Cornelius is definitely one of my favorite stories. Uh, if you'll remember, uh, St. Peter is fasting, he's in prayer, he's up on this rooftop, he's having this quiet alone time by himself, right? And, uh, and he's, he's really feeling the Holy Spirit, and suddenly he has this hunger overcome him. And the Lord, you'll remember, shows him this vision of all these animals descending on this tablecloth. And the Lord says, rise up and eat, Peter. And Peter says, oh, Lord, I'm a good Jew. I don't eat these kinds of animals. And the Lord shows him again, I've made all things clean. Right? He shows him, I've made all things clean. And just at that moment that he says it again, there's a knock at the door and there are these Gentiles that come to see Peter. Now he was not supposed to be hanging out with Gentiles, right? You couldn't go into their home and you couldn't eat with them because you'd be breaking the purity laws. You'd be breaking the laws of, of ritual eating that the Jews had had in place now, right? For uh, thousands of years. But yet the Lord had just shown him, I've made all things clean. So he walks with these Gentiles and he goes to the house of Cornelius. Now it gets worse. Not only is Cornelius a Gentile, but he's a Roman, right? These are the people that they were waiting on the Messiah to clean house. Right? They wanted these Romans out. They had profaned their temple. They were uh, threatening their ability for self and home rule. Uh, They wanted them removed. They were hoping for a political solution to their problems, right? And so here, not only do we have a Gentile whose house he's having to go into, but he's a Roman. And beyond that, he's a soldier. He's one who has uh, taken his sword against the nation of the Jews. And so now here's the trifecta of uh, impurity, right, of of filth, if you will, that St. Peter is being asked to go in and to preach to. And when he sees that the Holy Spirit has led him there, and he sees who Cornelius is, St. Peter says, oh, now I get it. Now I get it. The Lord is not a respecter of persons. He has come to claim the whole world. He's come to make all holy, to make all devout. And he finds that Cornelius has everything but baptism. This is crazy. Usually we think, okay, the Lord shows his love for you. You respond to that love. You receive the Holy Spirit in baptism. And then you have the strength to do all these things that you're called to do. But Cornelius has got all of it. Already, doesn't he? He's devout. He fears God. And St. Peter says this is what's required, right? That those who fear God and do what is right will be found acceptable before the Lord. Cornelius is already doing all of that. And now he's going to be baptized. We want to always look for this cause and effect. If you do this, then you'll do this. The Lord's already done everything. He's already prepared Cornelius. He's already made him devout and holy. He's a God-fearer doing all good things before the Lord, and then he's baptized. What a funny place to start. What a funny place for Jesus to start his ministry, being baptized. It's backwards. And sometimes we think that baptism is the end of the story for a Christian. Oh, they're baptized, they're done they're finished. The Lord's done everything he needs to do with you. It's wrong. The Lord's never done. He's never done with us. He's always filling us with faith and leading us towards righteousness. He's always bringing his Holy Spirit. He's always cleansing us. He's always calling us to repentance. He's always seeking to give us his grace. He's always wanting to feed us with his own body and blood. He's always wanting to bring the Holy Spirit to us. He's always calling us into righteousness and to right living. He is not done with us and he never will be. May we walk in faith and love, revealing that love that the Lord first showed us through our baptism and through His grace this day and forevermore. Amen.